Shar, welcome to the show, The Protectors. You know, you've had an incredible background, especially when it comes to, you know, the different types of shows you've been on. You've been on like all the high, high class podcasts, I should say. Uh, some really good, really good people out there doing really good things and spreading the message. And you have a great message to spread. And that is kind of regaining your faith and, and you know, getting back to healing. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, for everybody that doesn't know Shara's background, really check out her book first. It's a beautiful tragedy, Navy SEAL Widow's Permission to Grieve and a Recipe for Hope, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so Shar, let's get, what's your, your background? Uh, well, we can start with, I'm a Navy brat. My dad served 20 years in the Navy. And so we were some of the luckier ones. We didn't move uh, too often. Uh, I think uh, Florida ended up being our, our fourth and final stop. Uh, he retired in Jacksonville, Florida after 20 years. And um, then I went to college and met who became my first husband. He was in the Navy, which was everything my dad told my siblings and I not to do, like stay away from military men. And I meet a guy in the Navy on my you know summer break, you know, home from college. My brother graduated um, college and joined the Air Force. And my sister graduated college and married her college boyfriend who joined the Army. And so she's still living the Army life. Um, so uh, went to high school uh, here in Florida, went to college at UCF. And uh, Jacques and I, who was the man in the Navy that I met and dated, uh, he when we met, he was said he was getting out of the Navy. And so I said, okay, I'll date you because I really, uh, I'm not one of those, I'm not, I'm nothing like my sister in the way that she just has embraced uh, army life. She doesn't mind moving. I mean, she hates leaving friends and, and things like that, but I've just never, I mean, I cry every time I have to say goodbye to her or family. I'm just, I, I'm just not that. <laughs> um, I didn't love it as much. And so um, I had no intentions of being a military wife. And so he said he was getting out. I said, okay, we can do this. And then he uh, went to the detailer one at the you know 10 year mark to say he was getting out. And they said, well, no, no, you're too valuable. We don't want to lose you. And he goes, well, I've asked to be a SEAL for I don't know how many years now. And so you're not going to let me do that. Then I'm going to get out. Wow. And they said, okay, I'll let you do that. <laughs> 10 years in they, and they let him go to SEAL training, huh? That's yeah, he was 20, 20. Nine, twenty, yeah, twenty-nine. Wow, that that must yeah. have been a shock. You're like, hey, you know what? We're just gonna live a regular life. Ten years, and ten years is a long time, you know. Right. As you know, it's kind of like, okay, you know what? We're gonna transition a lot of because it seems like a lot of the seals I talked to, a lot of my seal friends, you know, that was kind of like, hey, you know what? I'm joining specifically to be a seal, and then boom, I'm a seal. Uh, but that's that, that takes a lot of grit, definitely. Yeah, he. Um... He was dating someone in college and they got pregnant and married. And so he's like, well, I've got a little girl to take care of. So I guess this would be a better avenue for me. So he joined the Navy and uh, they didn't work out. And I met him sometime later and he had met some SEALs or special forces on one of his deployments on the ship. And he's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so kind of changed his whole mindset and direction. Yeah. I could see going from like, you know, just a, 
I shouldn't say plain old, but a regular Navy spouse, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're part of the special warfare community. That must have been a, a big change. What did your dad do in the, in the service? I, I didn't uh, he uh, worked the radars on P3s. Okay. So he, he kind of knows what the, the soft community is like. So he was probably like, oh my gosh, here we go. Oh yeah. He was not, he was not for, I mean, for one, like, oh no, you're not, you're not dating somebody in the Navy. On top of that, I was 20. Uh, Jacques was 27. And then, you know, being married before having a child and my dad was like, uh, I mean, no. (laughs) Wow. Um, You know what? I can imagine like your support network after everything that happened. And I, you know, you've talked about it so many times in so many different interviews. I kind of want to, I don't want to glaze over what happened and the tragedy, but I really want to go into the support network and having that family and having, you know, you have your military family, you know, you're, you weren't, you were kind of born into that. Then you have your saw family, your, your special warfare family. And then the grieving process, how did your, your, your immediate family, like your dad and sisters and everything, what was that like? How did they embrace you? And deal with you? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if anybody really knew how to deal with me. I didn't know how to deal with myself. Um, And that's kind of like why I wrote the book, because I felt like it's such a, you don't know what to do and you don't know how to help people. And I know that they just wanted to constantly love on me and be around me. And I wanted that too. But then there's times where you know, being a military wife for, I mean, I'd been with Jacques for almost 10, married for five. I was at the same time independent. Like I said, I didn't love the military life, but I embraced it because I loved him and I, I just embraced what I had to do. And so then there was times where I was just like, I can't, you guys just have to get away from me. Like I need space. And um, so I think, and then my sister was living in Germany with her husband. So she, you know, within two, three weeks, after um, she originally, she had just gotten married and she came back um, for this. She had to go back. So she had to leave me, which was hard. Cause I was like, that's my best friend, you know, right there. And my brother at this point was still in the air force. And so he was back up in Dover, Delaware. So um, I had to move back to Florida after I lost Jacques, we were living in Virginia beach. And that was, I mean, I, I look back now and there's a part of me that say that said that that was probably the wrong thing to do because came back to Florida where yes, I graduated from and I went to college. Um, but my high school friends have already like married and have kids and they're further down in life. And, you know, they're entering where like you and I were talking about having the kids 10 and 12 and busy and running to sports and school. And now I'm like, it's just me. And so, you know, it's hard to, to, you know, figure out where your friend like me would belong in that. And so I was with my parents living back with them. So it was a, it was a really hard transition. Um, all of my family, cousins, aunts and uncles came in for funerals, you know, on both sides. And unfortunately there was many of them because, you know, there were um, eight, uh, 19 that died on, um, on June 28th with Jacques being one of them. But within the SEAL community just in Virginia Beach, there's like five or six of us. And so there was a lot of moving parts. And so I would say by the end of that first month to two, I mean, we were all like pretty exhausted and emotionally drained, like trying to be there. And I felt like I needed to be there for people too, which is kind of weird. And 
I think I've learned that that really wasn't my place and probably didn't help me or them either. Well, it seems like, you know, based on all the charity work you've been doing and you've been doing it for a long time now, um, you kind of appear and seem, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you are one of those empathetic type people. So even if something tragic happens to you, you feel like you need to help. It's like the helper. And that's one thing about this, the show is called the protectors. It's like the helper community. And it's like, (laughs) I can imagine you trying to, you know, bury your grief and then trying to like move forward and help others and never really dealing with that, if that makes sense. Right. And I think that's definitely what I did. Um, and being out of the the special warfare community, moving back here, I was pretty much on my own in the beginning because I didn't have that network then here in Florida. But also this was, you know, the biggest loss in the SEAL community since the Vietnam War. So it wasn't like, unfortunately, now it is a way bigger community and there is so much more help. And there's so many, even me here in Florida, um, I still feel the support now from the group that's been formed probably since extortion happened, which was in uh, 2011, I think yeah. it was. So it's, a lot of it's weird to think about how much time has gone by and like the healing takes a long time. You know, my tour was in 2005, 2006. And when I came home, my oldest brother died uh, suddenly massive heart attack and I was thinking about like when I was researching to do your, do the show today, I was saying, I'm like, well, how did I deal with grief? I'm like, how did, am I still dealing with it? And I'm like, you know what? The pain is always going to be there regardless if you've, if you've moved on with your life, you have like other things going on, you're always going to have that in the back of your head. And that's one thing I wanted to talk about was your grieving process. And you do mention um, in some of your interviews and about having anger issues with God. And I, I know exactly what that's like. So let's talk about, uh, and that's one thing we're always able to talk about on the show is our faith and, and definitely God. Yeah. Um, I grew up, um, you know, knowing, knowing the Lord and um, going to church. And uh, so, I mean, I was, I was even trying, you know, to stay plugged into church when I was living in Virginia beach. And I, I was sitting in church on that Sunday before just praying for Jacques protection and then to lose him two days later. Um, I was angry. And, you know, at that point too, I was 29 years old. So still um, very, I don't want to say young in my faith because I've had it for all that time, but I think that there's just a so much bigger understanding of God's love and grace now um, compared to how I was back then. And um so I, I was angry because I was like, how, you know, how could this happen to me? And I was just praying and I was just asking for his protection. And what did I do wrong? Like, that was one of the big things. Like, what did I do wrong? Um, what's the lesson I'm being taught? Because, um, you know, another thing a lot of people say, which I've never understood is, you know, well, um, God knew you could handle it. Like healing gives people, you know, things like this who are strong enough. And, and so that I think kind of fed my anger because I was like, oh, really? Wow. So since I'm like in his mind, a stronger Christian or a stronger person than this person, and not that I was wishing it on, you know, other friends or anything like that, but I was just like, oh, okay. So he picks and chooses. And um, so I think that just kind of fed my anger for a while. And it wasn't until 
um, my anger just kind of started showing up in other parts of my life that I realized I needed help. And so that is another thing I tell people is that go get the counseling from the beginning and you might not mesh with the first person, but I think it's important not only to your grieving, you know, grieving process, but, you know, for those around you, because I, how you respond to things kind of trickles out to everyone around you. Yeah, and if, if like, I'm glad you said that. If you don't melt, a lot of people go to counseling and they go to one and they're like, oh, this, this isn't going to work for me. It took me five or six counselors before I actually found someone that was decent that I could open up with completely. Right. And um, I had another, I had a really great guest on the other day and he was a, a, a Delta Force operator. And he was talking about when he went to a counselor, you know, at the end, he opened up and opened up and opened up. And at the end, the counselor's like, Hey, can you meet my husband? Um, he's never met a Delta, met a Delta force guy. And he's like, I just opened up everything to you. And it's like, how do you meld with someone like that? So please find someone you need a support network, a network when you're, when you're dealing with grief. Oh yeah. And, um, like you were saying earlier, I you know, some people, you know, some people are like, well, you aren't, haven't you moved on yet? Or like, you know, isn't this behind you yet? And, you know, why do you still have to go? Why do you still go to the, um, the retreats, the foundation puts on for you? You know, aren't you just like freeloading? And it's like, I don't think you, I, I don't believe you ever get over the grief process. I think you just continue to develop tools and a better way to deal with it. And you cope with it every day. But there's not a day that goes by, which, as you know, that you're not thinking about your brother or the person you've lost that you were so close to. I mean, brother, a spouse, a child, it's it's with you. It doesn't go away. And just because you're five years, 16, 20 years out doesn't mean that it's not still a part of you. I mean, you love that, that person. You miss that person. They're supposed to still be here with you. So you don't just get over it. No. And, and I'm from really glad you brought that up because there are a lot of haters out there and I can only imagine within the community and a lot of people just don't, you know, 29 years old, you said it before you were young. Um, twenties, you're young. And a lot of people, a lot of spouses in that community are young. Um, a lot of people, they don't understand maturity yet when it comes to like, when you've been so deeply in love with someone and they're gone the next day, that will never go away. They'll always be part of your life. That's we have, let's say we have 80 years of our life and someone is 10 years of our life. That's a big percentage. That's a big bookmark. Mm-hmm. chapters in your life that you'll never get over it ever. You can move on. You can have, you do, you have a husband, great husband, kids, etc., houses, books, everything. All that stuff doesn't matter. You're always going to have that pain in your heart for love. I mean, it, it's just the way it is. Yes, exactly. And um, that's why I tell people that I, I didn't get over um, Jacques. I didn't get over the death or the loss of living, losing him. I just made a choice that I was going to move forward and keep living um, because that's what he would want me to do. And I felt that that's just the best way to honor him. Um, I mean, if I just kind of either put him on the shelf or if I just choose to wallow, either one of those things does nothing to keep his memory alive and to honor what we had and what, you know, who he was. And that's just kind of my mindset for it. <laughs> and honor his memory through helping others and like write books. You know, I love books. I mean, if you, your, your book's going to go up on my, my shelf. I have a, like, I don't have like, th- I'll get to show you this. Uh, and for the audience out there, I'm doing my famous show, everybody, the, the shelf of authors that have been on the, the show. I love it. And uh, I just love it. You, you uh, people are visual. 
They could watch this podcast and get something out of it. They could listen to it, get something out of it, or read and get something out of it. Their visual audio, they, there are all sorts of ways you have to get the knowledge out there. And if your story of loss and getting finding a path forward, finding a path out of that helps someone else, why not? Why not share it? That's you know, that's kind of where why I did it. Um, my husband now, uh, Drew. He saw me over the past couple of years from the beginning, you know, within, I guess, the first year after I lost um, Jacques, actually, people coming to me through the military and otherwise like, oh, you know, somebody just somebody just lost their their spouse. Can you talk to her? Can you talk to them? And Drew's like, Shar, you now, even though you still deal with grief, he's like, he's I don't know how other way to put this, but your success story and the fact that you still honor him you're doing charity, you're involved in the military still. Um, but you've, you, you've got a successful, you know, life with a loving husband and children, and you can do that all while still remembering Jacques. And, um, he's like, I think that's a good example. You know, it's, you, you can still move forward and be healthy. And, you know, I, I, I love charity. I love talking to charities. I've had boot campaign on. I've had everybody on. I've done a boot campaign too. I love all of them. I work. Um, there's a lot of legitimate charities out there where you can give back. And I like I liked one of the interviews I, I read you were doing about your, your new husband and about, you know, he may not have served, but he's still patriotic. You know, the basis of my show is the protectors. And I always say it's law enforcement, veterans, uh, emergency responders, um, everybody and those that support them, you know, it's all the community. You don't have to be narrowed down and pigeonholed into, okay, that's the, that's the widow over there. We don't, we don't deal with her. She deals with the widow charities and she doesn't matter. Or, or over here, you have the veteran, that's the veteran group. And he's disgruntled them. No, bring them all together. And if you want to give back, let people give back. There's a lot of genuine people that want to give back. Absolutely. And that's, um, that's my husband. They had, he had no military affiliation before he met me. I mean, it had, none of his family ever served. And, um, but yeah, he's one of the most patriotic, most giving um, people you'll meet. And, you know, we actually, my dad introduced me to this man who runs a, a foundation pretty locally here in Jacksonville, Florida, Soldiers Freedom Outdoors. And they provide weekend retreats for veterans. Uh, with the equestrian therapy and hunting and fishing and all that kind of stuff. And my dad said, you know, they're just kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but they need attention and they need your help. And so my husband Drew and I went out there and we're like, okay, he's doing something right. He's just doing this all volunteer. He has another job. How can we help him? And um, so, you know, my husband knowing golf world He's like, well, we can do a golf tournament. I said, okay. And, you know, he jokes because he was like, yeah, three weeks later, he's you, you sent me these dates. And was like, okay, well, do any of these work? He's like, for what? <laughs> like the golf tournament. He goes, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're doing this. Like, <laughs> let's go. And um, yeah, he's all, all for supporting. And like you said, I mean, we pick a local. There's so many local charities to help. It's not, um, and I love being involved. I don't think that I just have to be with widows, like you said, or just with veterans. I think it's finding somebody in organizations that are doing it right and need the help, which so many of the smaller ones do. And that's just kind of where our heart drives us, you know, to help them. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I got um, from 
finding God when I was younger was, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a religious family. Um, but then I became born again in, in my teens and we did mission trips. And I think that's where it starts. When you start helping and you start seeing that you can, one person, even at that small local level can make changes and it's worth it. If you can go out there and you can affect change for one family or one person or one, anything, it's a ripple effect. And I see you, you can go out there and a golf tournament may bring light to someone else. Maybe, Hey, you know what? Golfing may turn into some sort of therapy for a veteran, first responder, or anybody, anybody dealing with emotional distress. And it doesn't have to be any of those first responders, military, everybody, because so many of us are dealing with it. Right. I agree. And that was one of my favorite parts of the golf tournament. I mean, COVID kind of threw it. Well, not kind of didn't get to do the charity, the tournament last year um, or this year, because it was kind of still like what's going to happen, what's opening back up. But you know, so many people are, oh, well, I don't play golf, but we wish you well. And I'm like, oh, good. Well, you can you can sponsor a veteran to play because that and they're like, you know, then they're like, oh, yeah, that's what you do. So, I mean, we would have teams of veterans and I loved it. So I'm like, this is what it's all about showing you all that you haven't been forgotten, that we appreciate what you've done, your sacrifice, and give you something that you might not, you know, be able to go out and do all the time. So that's one one of my favorite things of our tournament. Well, think about it this way too, about your husband, you know, he didn't have a military affiliation. His only affiliation with the military was through your loss. Um, Maybe through some casual encounters here and there, but the civilian populace as a whole doesn't really have a grasp of what goes on within the military community. Reading a story like yours can also help the civilian community deal with grief and loss, sudden grief and loss. Because I tell you, um, even if someone dies from cancer um, and it takes them a long time to die, that loss is sudden. You never want to think that, okay, you know what? Um, they are going to die. You don't. You don't. Sudden loss, grief, and, and dealing with, like you said, your anger with God. That's what I really want to read your book because of that, because there have been times where I've been very angry with what God's, you know, path he's put me on, but then finding my way back to really essentially what light is. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it was um, one of my first counselors was through the church and he just opened my eyes to so many of the things, like I said earlier about when people were like, oh, well, God only gives you what you know, the strong people that, and he goes, where in the Bible does it ever say that? And I was like, oh, it doesn't. He goes, no, No. it says that you will experience tough times and tragedies and loss, but God will never leave you. And it's kind of the, a real cliche. And I know I've, I've said this to people a lot of different times, but the, the poem footprints, when he, you know, they're talking to God and I was walking alone on the beach and it was like, well, God, yeah, it just reminds me of my anger and so much. And it's like, you look back and you're like, yeah, where were you? There's only one set of footprints. And he's like, I was carrying you. And it was like, oh, mm-hmm. and I can, when the pastor said that to me and he was like, he just never left you. And I was like, he didn't. And then there, you know, there was just a lot of other things that, you know, helped me work um, there, but it, it wasn't like it switched overnight. It wasn't like all of a sudden I was like, oh, yay, Lord, I love you again. And you're back. But they also told me it was okay to be mad. And like, go ahead and scream at God. He can handle it. And it's just, that's just never how, I mean, obviously my parents weren't like, okay, we're going to prepare you for you to lose your husband one day. And this is how we're going to groom you with your, your, your love for God and your faith. And I mean, no parents ever, I think ever going to do that or a church. And 
So I think there was a lot I had to work through um, just learning, but to hear that I could yell at God, he can take it. He wants to hear it. Give him your everything. Um, that was a huge help for me too. Cause I was and there are still times and you know, there, I mean, and I like to say that I'm a lot further out of my faith than I was before, but there, you know, all these different things going on in the world and, you know, being a mom of, you know, three amazing, healthy, you know, beautiful little miracles. And you go, well, that's, that could never happen to my kid, Lord, because I mean, I've been through like something already and that's not the reality. Not that I want to live in that Uh. thought and mindset, but I mean, it's, um, you know, I still try to bargain and it shows me how, how far I'm still to go in my faith and my journey. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Being a dad myself is like that constant fear of loving someone more than you love yourself. Um, you know, someone like I could love my, you know, I just, wow. I, I don't want to think about it. I want to knock on some wood and we'll talk about something else right now, but oh my gosh, I, you know, sometimes I wonder when you bring up um, when you brought up your friends were like, well, you know, God picks on the strong ones. And I'm like, you know, sometimes God, I think maybe you're weak in some ways and he wants to make it so you could expand, you know, so maybe you're not the strongest person out there. And especially now with helping, you know, maybe all of this happened for a reason because now you can give back and maybe you're going to save someone else's life or maybe you've already saved someone else's life through your work, you know, I mean, there's how many, um, you know, the, I do another show with Hunter seven, uh, called ground truth and they, they do toxic exposures, TBIs and stuff like that. And we were talking about secondary PTS. So when your husband or anybody, uh, you're the spouse. And like, I like to say it could be your husband or wife gets deployed and they come home and they have PTS and you're getting the secondary exposure to that. And then a lot of spouses commit suicide. So maybe, you having the loss and getting your strength to get over it. Maybe you're going to be able to show someone else who maybe just doesn't have the will to live anymore after their loss that maybe they can see that there's a light. I feel that's important to touch on because, and that was one of the other things I was trying to be as honest in my book um, because I, I mean, I did have those feelings like, what am I going to do? I don't want to go on. This was my, this was my life. He was my love. He was my husband. He was my future. I mean, we were just getting ready to start a family. And now I'm, you know, 29, a widow, which, you know, I think that's one of the most horrible terms. Um, And it's like, where do I go from here? And it's just like, I just kept as mad as I was at God. I was like, just take me, like, just take me. And um, thankfully, though, there was something in me that never allowed it to go that place. But I think it's important that people know that they're not alone in thinking that don't be afraid to admit that to people. Don't be afraid to go and talk about that because I mean, the loss is just so great. And I just, I wanted to put that in the book because when I would talk to, to girls um, after that, you know, lost spouses after me and they would, I would say stuff and they're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm normal. Like I had those same feelings. I thought I was crazy and I, I was afraid to tell people that. And I was like, well, yeah, cause nowhere out there did, is there a book that says, Oh, you're going to feel this and you're going to feel this and you're going to feel, I mean, it's, it's more of like the medical, which is helpful, not mm-hmm. um, 
saying that that isn't, but I think there's a lot more to the, to the basic truth of, you know, the five steps forward and 10 steps back and everything you feel. And I was just trying to be super honest with all that in my book. And sometimes when you have those thoughts, you just need to get 24 hours past it, maybe 48 hours. You have to get past that dark spell. And I always, uh, I always talk about like, um, whenever I had darkness in the past, um, it felt like a big dark sponge was in my brain where you just can't think clearly. And everything is just like, you're like, I just make it go away. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I could, um, I'm glad you bring that up in your book. I'm excited to get your book. I'm excited to read it because I, I wonder if I'm still dealing with, with loss after all these years. I lost my best friend a, a few years ago in the line of duty. And I'm like, I still haven't really grasped that yet. I haven't dealt with that. I do shows like this. I do. I write books. I do all sorts of everything else except for dealing with that. So I look forward to your book. Yeah, uh, the I book is a beautiful tragedy. Thing. Yeah, it's not a fun thing to deal with, but you know, unfortunately, the majority of us at some date and time in our lives will. And, you know, it's I guess part of life, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. And you, you need you need hope. Yes. You know. You yeah. know, you really do. You need to have hope. You have and think that there is there is a light, there's a path forward. You may not need to believe in God. You know, you and I, we believe in God. We believe in whatever our faith is. You could believe in anything you want, but find a path, you know, find your healing. Um, another great guest was talking about, hey, you know what? I found healing through hiking. I got out there and I walked and walked and walked and walked until I was exhausted. And I actually slept peacefully at night. And I was like, huh, imagine a, a peaceful night's sleep after you're completely exhausted and you're, it's a good exhaustion. Right. There, there are ways to heal. Yeah, I agree. I think, like you said, you just got to find find what works for you. I was thankful to have my faith and have some good friends, and you know, now who the man who is now my husband, who you know helped me through a lot of the things in the beginning too, when we were just friends. And so that was, you know, kind of my lifesaver in, in some ways. <laughs> well, Shar, the book is a beautiful tragedy: a Navy SEAL widow's permission to grieve and a recipe for hope. I love it. I'm going to buy it today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much.